Listo. Let's do this. Señor, let's do this. Señor Caleb Lara. Mr. Eli, it is a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity, brother. No, no, thank you for your time. Um, as I was telling you earlier, when I started this project, one of the things that I started doing research, of course, as far as if there's other podcasts, other people doing the same thing, which is kind of like highlighting people, making a difference in the community. And I saw a lot of podcasts, right? A lot of people kind of like doing the same thing to a degree, but mo mainly they're just having conversations. But then I found you, Elevator Paso, which we'll spend a lot of time talking about that. And then I saw, guess what? He's kind of doing something similar, very similar to that. So I'm very excited about today, Senor. No, and thank you. Thank you for highlighting that. It is something that has been a mission of mine for quite some time. And the opportunity to bring it onto the airwaves uh, the last two years has been an incredible experience. Nice. Well, let's talk about that. Before we talk specifically about Elevate El Paso, though, give us a quick intro on, on who Caleb is and what is it that you do, please. Ooh, well, who am I? That is the question that has been... Uh, debated <laughs> for quite some time and okay. I'm still in the process of figuring that out however I uh, I've been in El Paso since I was five years old I mean this is pretty much my town my city I uh, seen it grow along with me and I've grown an affinity for it the culture here is very unique it has its uh, pros and definite cons however it is something that is uh, emerging we're now the 19th uh, largest city in the nation. And that's a lot to say for a little town that I remember as a kid. So growing up, um, you know, I'll tell you what, one of my first experiences coming to El Paso uh, as, um, as a kid, I was five years old, as I said, uh, my mom, uh, no education, no nothing. We came to the US and uh, she actually managed to raise us and and make a living by selling food she did this in the beginning walking around downtown el paso and to me that was quite an experience because as a kid i used to just walk around in awe of all the buildings and and just looking at all the scenery it was i remember telling her as a kid uh one day i'm gonna make a book of all the photographs all the buildings with photographs of it and, and I think that's where the whole idea of becoming a photographer came about. Um, the, the idea of trying to capture the beauty of these buildings, um, later the mountains and getting to know. And uh, it wasn't really until, oh geez, 22 years later or so that, that I officially called myself a photographer, even though I was always kind of involved in photography in some way or another. Uh, I've been in the modeling field for decades. How did that start, by the way? Modeling? Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in middle school, I went to Ornedo Middle School. And the last year I was there was the last year that kids were allowed to wear their own clothes. So the following year, they were going to have uniforms. And uh, one of the security guards was in charge of setting up that little runway to show the future students their new uh, uniforms. And they asked me to model. So I did my little thing, and uh, afterwards, uh, that same security guard kept going on about how great I was in as a model and yada yada, and that I should contact someone. She gave me some contacts. I ended up not long after that doing uh, like Dillard's Runways and JCPenney and little things like that, uh, which eventually turned to me being an agent at the age of 18. Uh, later being a, a director of several agencies in several cities at the age of 20 to uh, later 
just kind of dropping out of the scene for a while, had a, a little break there for a few years. But I say all that to say that that seed of becoming a photographer was planted as a kid, um, walking around downtown. Later, around 27, I started doing photography for myself, and, and that's one of the first things I did, go downtown, shoot those buildings. What sets apart a, a, a regular person like myself taking pictures with a nice camera mm -hmm. than a photographer? The premeditation. I mean, there's a difference between taking a photograph and taking a snapshot. If you're raising the camera and clicking without thinking of what you're doing, then it's a snapshot. If you're composing the picture, if you're observing the lines, if you're placing uh, certain elements uh, within the frame of your picture, you're taking the time of, of noticing the light, you're taking the time of noticing how uh, movement, if there is any, then it's a photograph. It's not about skill. Wow, that's such a great way to position that because you're absolutely right. I mean, it's one thing for me to just want to capture the moment, you know, for I don't remember. And sometimes when I take a picture of the mountain, I'm like, oh, look, I can be a photographer. But of course, there's a lot of other things behind that. Now, how will you describe what you do right now? Are you a, a full time photographer? Are you a TV host? There's so many things that you have your hands in. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, well, um, geez, I don't think I'll ever stop being a photographer. However, photography is uh, now taking a bit of a backseat to a lot of what I'm doing. Um, would I describe? I, I suppose I could definitely take the title of of TV host and and photographer, but I'm also producing. Um, and in the back end of all this, that's all the glamour side, right? The business side of this, I'm doing marketing. So. Wow. Uh, I suppose if I had to choose a title, it would be that. It would be marketer, which is probably not what people are aware of. Wow, that's so true because as I was doing my research on you, taking a look at your Facebook, your Instagram, I'm like, oh my God, there's so many things. But if you really <laughs> analyze everything you're doing, you're marketing yourself through many outlets. So that's really nice. Now, let me ask you this. Um, how long have you been, you said at 27, that's when you kind of took the, the photography like serious. Yes, sir. Uh, how about everything else that you're doing right now? Like you're starting TV. When did that happen? Yeah. So funny story. I mean, like everything else in life uh, uh, to, for which I'm entirely grateful for, I feel that things have kind of just landed in my lap, given to me in a, in a golden ladder type of thing. You just open yourself and continue to do the best you can in whatever you're doing and opportunities just kind of almost magically show up. So in 2000, oh geez, I think I'm about to lie. It's 15, 16. Okay, so not that long 14, ago. 14, not that long ago. Okay. I received the Photographer of the Year Award. Ooh. And uh, I used to shoot for various magazines. One of those magazines became a TV show and it was a magazine style type of show. So as I was awarded that, I got invited into this program to talk about my award. And so I was just a regular interview, much like we're doing now for the TV show. And we did that bit. It was a five minute interview. I get off the stage and uh, stick around. Then I hear the host of that show at the end of the show to wrap it up. He talks about, well, and make sure you guys tune in next week. Caleb's going to be with us talking about photography. And at that point, I'm like, oh, wow, I think I'm on TV now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I got on TV. Uh, I did about a year and a half of, of that program. Uh, it was Were you just talking about photography at first? or At first, the first okay. few programs. Then we very, very quickly realized that our demographic was in 
not interested in photography okay. whatsoever. This was in Channel 26 in Spanish. It's an older crowd. They don't care about photography. So we moved on. Essential, uh, we tried various things for me to do. Uh, and it got to the point where I, I told the producer at the time, we, I remember clearly that night, we were at his house. We were just kind of having a drink and figuring out how we were going to make that segment work. And I asked, well, can I just do my thing? And uh, my thing being self-improvement. I had been writing self-improvement for a while. I had been kind of giving the, the whole sermon thing for a while. Way before it was cool and every other person became a, a coach and a motivational speaker. Way before that. But uh, he allowed me. And, uh, and my next uh, program was uh, kind of a little segment on magic, occult, esotericism, that kind of thing. And it took off. Really? This was still, of course, before Elevator Paso. That's Way the idea before. that you had. This is still in Channel 26, yes, yes. in Spanish, right? Yes, yes. Okay, how long did you do that? So that went on for a little under two years. Um, not very long after that, I had the opportunity to join the Televisa team. I did uh, news anchoring for a period of time and then moved on to doing um, political analysis. What? And so I was the political analyst for Televisa El Paso. That went on. Televisa had a little bit of issues and uh, the company had to close down in our city. And I had about a year of not knowing exactly what was next for me. So in the period of time that I was working uh, Televisa and all of that, I had the opportunity to work in a few marketing agencies. So I got to learn all about that. So when this was over, and, and I also had the opportunity to learn a little bit about construction. I love carpentry and that kind of stuff. So when this was over, I was like, ah, I don't want to go get a job. You know, I need to do something for myself. So I did uh, the handyman thing. And then I opened a construction company, did that for a year, and, uh, and then started doing marketing. I did marketing, well, it was less than a year because I did marketing for about six months or so. And then uh, the opportunity came to get enough sponsors to open the show. That was two years ago now, and I'm entirely grateful to still be able to be here. Wow. How did that idea come about as far as the elevator pass? Was that also your idea of, of highlighting the, the community, people in the community. Tell us a little bit about what Elevator Paso is, because I know you highlight that, but then you also have kind of like a health segment, sure. right? There's so many things going on. Tell me about that, please. Sure, so um, again, going back more about myself, I for many years grew up with the silly idea that I was gonna be a pastor. Uh, so my idea was to try to teach, to try to help, to be of service to the community and leave the world a better place. That, I believe, is my life's purpose. Everything I do in life is going to somehow contribute towards that. And so when, when the opportunity came to do a program, I had already tried doing the, this through a pulpit, and it wasn't quite as effective. Um, I tried doing it through 26, but it was very, Channel 26, but it was very limited because I only had a little segment. You know, but I knew that there is a need there. There is a need uh, not just for people to understand of that there's people out there doing good, even now, that there's uh, role models out there that aren't perfect, but they are role models. And there is a need to be able to understand that 
Opeso has a lot more to offer and we just need to be able to be involved in our community. And so that's what I wanted to highlight. My purpose again is to be able to educate and inspire and to raise quality of life. So the concept of, uh, of Elevate, uh, the idea, the, the, the theory was, you know, find a way to do what I know how to do, which is be on TV, do marketing, and find a way to contribute to what I feel is my life's purpose, which is leave the world a better place. The method of doing this is through having various segments. There is, uh, we focus on the mind, the body, the soul, and teenagers. So all these segments are somehow gonna contribute to you being elevated in your mind, your body, your soul, or as a team. Uh, and uh, the word elevate in itself uh, comes from a, a concept of um, Kabbalism in Judaism. So the idea is that we are supposed to elevate the world in, into a more perfected state. So that's that's the idea behind it in a, in a very rough raft. Nice. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's very well said as far as what you do and your purpose behind it. What caught my attention, because I, I'm, I'm, I have that similar mindset of, you know what, once you get to a certain level, and I'm not talking money, I'm not talking that you're perfect, you said it best, doesn't mean that uh, like someone's perfect, but there gets a time in your life that you do want to help, and you think that, you know what, definitely I can help someone, and there is something there, regardless of how... Um, how big that impact is, or maybe how how small that is. What I'm curious though is where does this mindset come from? I know you said that you've been always for a long time having this mindset and, and working towards that, but can you recall as far as what it was the moment or the the reason why your mindset switched to this? Uh, not precisely. I, I I as far as I know, this has been me. Um, I I. I don't think I could pinpoint a specific time when I said, this is what I want to do. I could definitely pinpoint uh, everything that I've done. I, I, at some point, I was able to tie it into my purpose. And that, that's when I was able to say, okay, now I'm doing this. So I could pinpoint that. And in regards to when I gained my purpose or the realization of this, I, I, I'm not sure. I, as far as I could think of, I mean, I gave my first, uh, in a religious setting, I gave my first sermon when I was like 12 or 13, 500 people congregation, again, religious setting, uh, slightly different, but the concept was still there. And, and I could probably say that after that moment, it solidified the idea. Um, I wanted to be an archaeologist, I wanted to be uh, an astronaut, I wanted to be all kinds of things, but I know that no matter what I was doing, the end goal was going to be to do something good, to make the world better, to teach. Wow, that's so commendable because the truth is that, at least from, from my perspective, I see that a lot of people just live life, and I get it, you know, but it's so much better when you have... And, and, and this might sound like too much, but like a purpose, a reason behind it, because now everything now everything that you do, not that it makes sense, but it satisfies. And I'm sure that you live and, and I'll ask you that in, in a second, just to clarify. But you see you live something like of a plain and full life like you, you. I'm sure you're happy with what you do every day. It's not like, oh, my God, I have to wake up and do this because this is something that you enjoy doing because it serves the purpose that you already have. Without a doubt, without a doubt, I um, uh, once again entirely grateful, completely in love with my with my life, with my lifestyle, and only 
uh, hurdle I see in my life is wanting to do more. I need to find a way to make this bigger, to make this grow and actually have visible effects. Have more impact, you mean, right? Exactly, nice. exactly. Um, and in regards to having a purpose-driven life, I, I think that it's, you know, you say people are, are just living. And, and I think that it's quite the opposite. When you're missing a purpose, you're just existing. You don't get the chance to live because you're not driven. You're just kind of whatever happens, happens, and the wind could blow you from one direction to the other, which is a way to live, but it's not life. It's existence. A life is, uh, is, is when you have, uh, when your actions every day are taking you somewhere. And success is not getting there, but knowing that every day you're taking a step towards there. So as long as you have those elements, then your life should feel complete and shouldn't be fluctuating. So at that point is when I believe is when you're living and not just existing. So yeah, without a doubt, I do believe the biggest problem now uh, with a lot of the younger generation is that they don't understand the concept of having a purpose. And I, it could possibly be that they feel that the purpose is immutable. And it's not. I believe your purpose is one thing today and it could be another tomorrow. I've been lucky enough to find something that I've been able to hold on to all my life and associate it to everything I do no matter what I'm doing. However, that doesn't have to be the same for everybody. At some point or another, you could decide you found a greater purpose. And you could go towards that. And I think people are afraid to grasp onto a concept and call it a purpose because of fear of commitment, perhaps? Uh, we can spend hours talking about this because this is something that I also enjoy talking about. And with Sam Butler, you were saying this, it, I don't know the, the exact term, the words that he used, but it's kind of like the same finding a purpose. A lot of people find religion as kind of like their motivation, kind of like their their higher purpose. Other people find fitness as well. Sure. Other people live through their, their kids, right? That it's my kids. This is like the reason behind my purpose. And, and none of them is better than the other one, but it's always good to have one at least instead of just like you said, I say living, but basically you're just right as far as existing, as far as not having a purposeful life, which I don't think it's a problem if you're okay with it. However, I mean, 99% of people will not be okay with just living after a while. Of course, you can get used to it and it numbs maybe the pain or a lot of different things. But the fact is that I, I myself, in my opinion, you can't really live a happy life if you can't find whatever you want to do. Yeah, without a doubt, I believe that we must feel that we're somehow contributing to society. And if we don't feel that we're contributing to something greater than ourselves, it's going to be hard to feel uh, satisfaction. At the end of the day, what we are isn't our physical presence. What we are is so much greater than, than our physical reality. And it's impossible for us to feel fulfilled if we're not trying to fulfill the greater side of self of us, the greater side of us. We have an ego and we have a divine spark. And the trick to life is to make the ego smaller, possibly learn how to die to it and make that divine spark bigger. And when you're doing that, then you're starting to live a fulfilled life. But in order to do that, 
you need to seek things that go beyond your ego. So at that point, you must find something greater than yourself so that that becomes your purpose and you start, you start being selfless. And it's in that, those moments of selflessness that we are being godly, per se. And we're kind of giving a blow to the ego. And we're allowing that divine spark to grow. And that in itself is already giving you growth in life and allowing you to fulfill your purpose. It's very well said. I'm like, you know what? If Even if I try to say it that way, I'll just say this, that, and make it good. <laughs> Thank you so much for explaining it that way because you're, I mean, that, that that's also something that I believe in. Um, let me ask you this, and, and this is something that most people, and this is kind of like the angle that I like to take. The things that we say for the most part is not something new, right? Oh my God, sure. I now discovered. But the fact is that how can someone that maybe doesn't have that mentality, that purpose, that mindset, is this something that you are born with or can you acquire through different experiences? What is your take on that? I, I mean, I, in a very unscientific way, I would say that it it's both. I, I believe that leaders are born, but I do believe we could very much develop them as well. Um, changing the perspective of life or helping somebody else see something that they don't may allow them to to change their goals and and start to thrive you know sometimes complacency is there not out of the desire of being complacent but simply because they they've gotten so used to the routine that they can't see beyond that so that is precisely the role of of role models to be able to show others that there is something that they could get to that is greater and as long as we continue to find those things, then we continue to grow and develop leaders and develop purpose-driven people. So if somebody's out there just kind of fluctuating, doesn't know how to go about it, and doesn't have this mentality, as you said, I will say that the simplest way to start this would be to, everybody wants different results, I, I, I would expect. And if you want something different, the first step is to do something different. So I would say to start by making a list of, of those things that you are completely aware you no longer want and take a moment to respond to life and don't react. We There's that 80-20 rule that 80% is we're reacting to and 20% is under our control. Let, let's stop that. Let's start responding to life and by responding i mean taking just a split second to meditate and to think and to have a point of reference of ourselves in the most idealized way we could think of and ask how would that person respond and as long as we're doing this we're not always going to be right but as long as we're doing this we're going to get a lot more right actions and answers than wrong and so you would start by doing that defining exactly defining exactly what you don't want in life and being able to start taking little actions that are different than your usual actions so that you start noticing different results yeah and and, and it's funny how somehow so, some way i talk a little bit even if it's just a little bit about this uh 
mindset, e- even if it's in a business setting with right. every single guest. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yeah. Now, l- let me ask you one last follow-up question in, in this subject. Okay. Now, again, this is something I I like that you said some of the tangible things that people can do. However, to me that in order to get to that level, you need to be aware of where you stand right now, because the chances are that the people that are having this life that maybe without purpose, whatever, they have no idea. They don't even, I'm not going to say they don't care, but they don't have an idea that maybe they're, they're, they're the, whatever they're doing is not the right path to call it something, right? So my take on it is, first of all, develop a little bit of self-awareness where you stand sure. right now, and then you're gonna be able to get to that level. Because if not, like even if, if someone wants to, but it's not gonna be long-lasting change. For sure, and I, I think that for everybody, it has to be something that is repeated that that neural connection must be strengthened it's not going to be long lasting for anyone until it's just part of your life um i believe that we could start by analyzing our emotions as men it's so hard to even know what we're feeling sometimes or to deal with emotions that we tend to shut down However, they're there for a reason, and we must be able to use them and and do shadow work. So for those that find themselves in a situation where they don't know that this isn't the best, I could guarantee you that they do know what they don't like feeling. Mm -hmm. So perhaps their attention should be shifted towards that and then the little changes. Again, it all comes down to what we're thinking of the most and us stopping a reaction and doing a response. We want different results, we need to do different things. Even if we're not aware of it, we don't need to be aware of it, we just need to know that we want something different. Then we could start trying different responses and we'll eventually get to what we want. Wow, well said. Um, I'm so glad we had that conversation. Let's go back to Elevate a little bit. In these two years that you have had 100 episodes, yes, nonstop, sir. congratulations, first Thank of all, so on much. that. What have you learned from meeting so many people um, in these two years? What have I learned? That everybody shuts down in front of a camera. Really? <laughs> For the most part, everybody <laughs> freezes. Uh, but what else have I learned? It's been It's been very interesting because I've learned that no matter the success level, the the internal battles are the same and and the advice is almost always the same you said earlier uh we all say the same things you know in the in the bible it talks about how there's nothing new under the sun yeah well i mean we could very much see that so there isn't anything new under the sun there isn't anything that you're gonna hear that's that's just revolutionary however the style of applying all of these things that we all know does variate so we're able to analyze how different people got to where they're at through different paths and different decisions they had to make. So we start to see how they respond and don't react. And that's what I learned the most, to be able to to look at perspectives outside of myself. Because right. there's been such a variety of people. And they, again, the answers are a lot of the same thing. It's just how they implement them, how they do them how they actually bring it into their life. Because philosophically, it's very easy for all of us to sound well. Yeah. 
I I remember having conversations with a friend back in the day, maybe eight, well, actually not that long ago, about eight, seven years from work. He'll know who he is. As far as like maybe me wanting to buy a self-help book or something about listening to a podcast of someone that has money, right? And then he always used to say the same thing. Bro, if this guy really has money, you think he's going to give the secret away? You really <laughs> think so? And at first, I'm like, okay, well, I just listened to that. And then little by little, I developed that. You know what? Myself, when people ask me, hey, like any suggestions on the podcast or opening, I hide nothing. Of I course. tell exactly what it is because when you do get to a certain level, and I'm not saying I'm, at, again, at the very height or anything like that, but you do want to help. You, you do, right? And you're not until you're in that mindset that you're going to get that. Because if not, there will always be that, no, no, that sounds fake. That's not this. Of course, you have to be smart, be aware as far as what sounds fake, what doesn't, and, and different things like that. But the fact is, and like you said, you had a lot of people, and even though we're the same, but you have also interviewed, you have, um, I'm sure you had uh, close relationships with people that are wealthy, healthy as well, though. And they really want to help. Like the people that had said yes to my podcast, I'm like, what? I can't believe he said yes. And they're the nicest people ever. Yeah. And maybe someone that I just send them a DM, whatever, that that maybe back in the day when I didn't have a clear mind as far as what I was trying to do with this podcast, you me contesta, and you're like, really, bro? And then you just <laughs> think about different things. And, and you know, we were saying, you're right. When you're at a certain level, definitely people want to help out. Yeah, without a doubt. And what's wonderful about this is that all you really have to do is show up. All you really have to do is build it. You have to make yourself available. You have to make uh, the avenue for it. You've done this by setting up a podcast. You've done this by reaching out to a couple of people. Believe me, brother, it's not going to get be long before they start reaching out to you and before you're having to get a booking agent and that <laughs> kind of thing. It, it is something that it's attracted, you know. So as long as you're out there and making yourself available and, and working. And I, here, I guess the key is not just the intention, but the consistency. And and then you're able to get to the point where it, it kind of just flows that you you're able to almost put it in in autopilot type of thing yeah and, and it's it's funny again because um as you say this i'm just like remembering things from other guests that have said it in a similar way but the fact is that like like you said even like what happened to you exactly that you started doing one thing but then another opportunity opens you never know and as long as you have the right intention as far as what you do like your higher purpose of what you want to do you will find a way to continue that and even though it might seem like it's a setback for you to like take another job or no wait a second i'm just doing it a different way yeah so like wow i recently was interviewing a podcast right away which was very weird by the way <laughs> um but one of the things we discussed is that again this person recently started with his podcast and he was telling me how he's like into views. Oh my God, if, if I don't have a lot of views or like, you know what, I, I get it, you know, cause you do maybe look at that, whatever it is. But what my advice to him was, is cause you don't have your purpose defined. First of all, sure. my purpose is to have really good conversations with amazing people. And this podcast is the excuse. Sure. Exactly. And that's what I'm doing. So yeah. everything else, of course, uh, I want people to like the podcast for them to say, oh, that was a, a great podcast. But my number one intention is, in this case, you, for you to say, you know what? I really enjoy that conversation. And with that alone, that just fills the whole circle in, right? Right, yeah. And and a lot of times when I'm uh, bringing people onto the program, that that's kind of what is the defining uh, aspect to it or, or 
or element to whether somebody comes on or not, a lot of times it's like, I want to learn this. I need to find somebody in this field that talks about this. Or, you know, there's there's certain aspects where we talked about shadow work earlier. That's something that I, it's ongoing in my life. will never stop. And so a lot of times I feel like, okay, I, I'm lacking here. I need to go talk to somebody that could talk about this. Go ring up. I was like, can you talk to us about the psychology of success or, you know, for the program? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's perfect. It's the perfect excuse. And what you have going on, it's great because if you need it, then the rest of us need it as well. And then I like my stuff. Like, to be honest with you, I, when I watch it back, which is painful to see all the mistakes, all the things that I right. mispronounce and a lot of different things like that. But overall, I'm like, you know what? That was good. If I'm listening to it and I think I'm self-aware and I am setting myself apart from that, like, is this good quality? And I think so. And again, I'm, I'm glad where, where it's going. And every time someone says yes, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then when someone recommends someone else, I'm like, that means you liked it, right? right. So there's a lot of things. Now, my question, Senor, is how do you do? I'm sure, hopefully not, but I'm sure you also get a lot of no's. That you want to uh, interview someone or you want to uh, contact someone and they either they say no, they ignore you. How do you deal with that? Let me think back on one. Oof. Okay. That means you get you don't get a lot of no's? Okay. Um, no, I can't. I'm sure I have. Maybe that's my problem. <laughs> no, <I'm> just <laughs> I don't know, brother. I think uh, I, I don't know. I, I I could tell you how I would deal with it. Go for it. I would ignore it and move on. Yeah. Simple as that. But I don't think I've had that. Thank God. No, that's really good. Thank now, let, let me go back a bit. I have not received a no that, hey, thank you for the invite. But no, I have received. Well, I have seen a lot of people, not a lot, but that I send them a message. You know, my contestant just they left me in like scene. And I'm like, ah. Oh. I don't take your personal, but like something they said, okay, no los busques, yeah, but that's wrong as well. Because you know what? I mean, if maybe right now there is because again, there's maybe another story. Maybe they're dealing with something else. All right. And we're back. Um, of course, we had a, I had to have a, an audio technical issue, but we're back. So thank you again for your patience. But honestly, what did you say? You're talking about James. How do you say it? Edward Olmos. Uh, okay. We contacted him. He has. Uh, he works a lot with the Boys and Girls Club of El Paso, and I uh, grew up here in Segundo Barrio. So he's somebody who I really wanted to get for for the program, and I wrote to him, and I did, never heard back. Uh, however, uh, later I found out that I never heard back because the whole COVID thing ever did. His plans to come to El Paso for the club had been canceled. So there is still that possibility. So I say all that to say that I haven't had any no's and I've had a few ignores, but they, they come back. I've been very lucky that I would say a good 90% of the people on the program have asked to or really? or have hired me. Uh, let's keep in mind some of these people are actually paying to be there. And you have that now is this, I know you said it through Facebook. I've seen that. Now, this is, first of all, recorded for for your TV show, right? And yeah. then distributed through Facebook, right? Yeah. Yeah, it first goes on the CW every Sunday at 8 a.m. And then after it airs, it'll be put up on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Um, out of the, all the social medias, I believe uh, Facebook is the one with the most content on it. Yeah? Why is that? Because people can share it now? Uh, yeah, I, it was... Yeah, I suppose what had happened was right at the time when I was starting the show, Facebook was transitioning uh, into creator content. 
And so I put in an application to become a creator and they opened up the creator studio, which is now available to everyone and all of that it was a big deal at the time. And I had kind of focused on putting my content just there. Um, Facebook monetizes now. So that was also a goal I was trying to get to. And do you also have a YouTube channel for that or not? I do. Um, I don't feed it as often as I should, but I do. What is it that you recommend for someone starting on, maybe not a, like a TV show per se, but maybe a podcast or anything that maybe they, they're still thinking about it and they don't know if they should do it or not? Honestly, it's where, so it depends on your goal. If you want to monetize, it, it doesn't. At the end of the day, what you want is, is wherever you're going to get the most audience and then find a way to monetize that. Uh, for what I hear, YouTube is getting really hard to actually be profitable. So you're having to go get Patreon, you're having to go get all kinds of other ways to monetize NFTs, I think is now the big one. But that's what you want to do. Start where you could, where you know you're going to have a bigger audience. Um, fortunately, I've, I've had a lot of audience from Televisa, from 26 on Facebook already. So I knew that Facebook was going to give me an immediate response. Nice. Did you, it, it, it may seem uh, the answer obvious because you've been on TV for a long time, but did you ever deal with kind of like not being nervous, but maybe negative comments or at first people not understanding what you do? Do you deal with that or maybe at one point you dealt with it? Uh, negative comments is the only thing that I could think of, which I think is still hilarious to this day is uh um being too pocho for televisa really yes that well, was an issue uh it was such an issue that could not be totally fixed that it had to get to the point where they just made it my nickname that was el pocho Carolina. really yeah i had to be that's the only way televisa could excuse this okay so so that was pretty much the biggest hurdle to get over that aside from that me feeling negative responses or me feeling some insecurity or nervousness. I mean, I think there's always nervousness in the beginning, but I'm such an extrovert and so open that it went away so quick. I think my biggest problem is being a little bit too comfortable in the camera. Really? Where sometimes I forget that I'm actually recording a show here. And I, I kind of just get into the conversation and... Uh, the, the professional language starts to go away and that kind of the posture. So I, I think my biggest problem is being a little bit too comfortable. Um, nervousness, yeah, it's there, but not, uh, I, I'm, I'm too, too much of an extrovert for this. Yeah, because the people that have reached out uh, as far as, hey, I want to do this, but I don't want to put myself out there. And, and I'll put myself out there as well as far as that example, because even though I'm very extrovert and I can talk to like whoever, but it's one thing to now kind of like do this in a public setting yeah. that now you're open to not only your friends and family, but other people to also have, get their opinion. So I was wondering if maybe you ever dealt with like putting yourself out there, any negative side to that? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I am regards speaking to what you're saying and what you're feeling. I never felt uh, a personal insecurity or, or negative, negative feedback other than the butcher thing on myself. However, when I started the program, the production quality was embarrassing, you know, so that and I dealt with it's very interesting because sometimes the people that you think are going to be your help are actually 
the most envious people they're the biggest haters that to this day they they'll leave sarcastic comments and stuff like that and you're like oh my god grow up you know so that kind of negativity i did deal with uh it's a very cutthroat industry everybody here is fighting for airtime and i think the mentalities of of people that are on tv most people i can't gen over generalize uh if you're on tv and you hear me talking i'm not talking about you but everyone else typically has this intense desire to be famous Ooh. and it creates a, a a mentality it creates a competition setting it creates kind of crappy personalities and so you do get some of that where where and specifically tv and specifically what i dealt with um not the true will but i in the beginning a lot of the the negativity came from the people that were right next to me and and the insecurities were more about my production really i had a let, let, let me go back i just want to make sure i get this right when you left televisa on you show sure. which are you know, like at their major or, or big networks, and now you're going to the CW, you're doing production. Is that what you mean? Kind of like when you started through that, that maybe you got a little bit of hate? Oh, yeah. Well, that, yeah, so I was about to tell you that this, there's some, there's an interesting aspect to Elevate that not a lot of people are aware of. This started, I hadn't, so that I had took a year break because for that whole year, I knew I wanted to do this. I knew I wanted to have a TV show, but I... I was a photographer. I didn't know how to do video. I didn't know how to edit. I, I knew how to talk in front of the camera and take pictures. I knew the fundamentals, but that was it. And uh, and then a specific person came into, into town. Uh, he's very well versed in the broadcast world, uh, has every tool and knowledge to do this. And in the beginning uh, planning phases of the program, in my mind, this is my producer. And the editing and shooting will be done there. You know, uh, we'll grow together and so on and so forth. When the when the schedule came out, I actually got the airtime and all that. One thing or another, uh, one feeling or another, being busy, being uh, perhaps, I don't know if it was, whatever it was, that partnership didn't come through and all i really ever got was more of criticism than anything else harsh but that left me in a situation where it's like now i have the next six months of airtime scheduled i don't know how to edit i don't know how to shoot i don't so it's like whoa here we go youtube university <laughs> yeah it's like the first Oh, geez, I would say the first two, three months of that program were sleepless nights. I It would take, it was ridiculous. I think about it now, it's hilarious. It would take so much to edit. I had no idea what I was doing. No idea. Everything I wanted to do, I first had to go look up a video for it. Um, now, I'm extremely grateful that I went through that. Because it was the beginning of the program and the quality sucked. But... <laughs> I learned so much, you know, that now it gets to the point where I'm very comfortable with the, all the, the behind the scenes aspect of a program that I could pretty much do everything. And, and 
that's how that evolved. That's how that happened. And the negativity that I had to deal with came a little bit more from that. It's funny, we're talking about an audio issue. Uh, yeah. Bro, I couldn't afford a recorder for the first several months of the program. I was recording I, either on my cell phone. I uh, I borrowed a Zoom H1, which is the cheapy, cheapy little recorder. Oh man, that was an adventure, you know? So. It's one of those where, off camera, before we started, we talked about how sometimes people say, you just, just start. Well, that was my mentality. It's like, I had one camera, one tripod, no microphones, no recorders, not even a video camera. It was my photography camera. That was it. That's what I had because I had just lost the guy with all the gear. So it's like, all right, well, make it happen with this. And again, entirely grateful. Entirely grateful for the support I've had, for the friends in my life, and uh, and then the the sponsors, the clients. Was there a moment though that you said, you know, and maybe I should not do this? That moment that you wanted to quit? No, no, no. My biggest internal battles, um, and 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 the things that really get me going is when I feel that that I'm not gonna have a choice and I'm gonna have to shut down. And, and that drives me crazy and it makes me go on over. Uh, never have I thought of not doing this. Wow. This self-confidence, um, have you always had this confidence in yourself? I, I, I don't know if it's self-confidence or stupidity, but <laughs> I've always felt that there's nothing I can't do. I've always been convinced of this. It's cliche and it's a bit naive, but I still feel this way. There's many things I choose not to do now, but I, I honestly feel that it's just a matter of time, it's a matter of education, and it's a matter of dedication. If anyone in the world is doing anything, anybody else should be able to do it or at least get pretty close to it. Now, I found out something very interesting. As long as you're trying, you're gonna be okay. The problem is, having the courage to try. And you don't have to know what you're doing. So the program's model is that we aren't perfect, we are perfectible. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be aware of the fact that this is where I am and this is where I'm going and this is my path and every day take a step towards it. You'll get better, you'll get better. I'm so glad I'm having this conversation with you because I'm on the same level. Like my thing is, you know what? I know I'm going to make it happen some way, somehow. I don't know if you noticed that I number my episodes, right? Right. You're 13 out of 52, by the way. Ooh, look at 13. Go. Good number. Now, people have asked me, hey, so why 52? You know what? Number one is because that's the commitment that I'm making with myself that I'm going to do at least 52. Yeah, you're Because what I see is that people um, start things and they don't end, right? And regardless if maybe I'm not successful, whatever that is, guess what? People that know me, I'm going to finish those 52, right? Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why, the, the main reason why I committed myself to 52. And I have known that I'm going to complete them somehow, some way. You know, it, it's harder. I was telling you that it takes me like 10 to 15 hours per week. Well, per guest, every single time when it comes to recording, editing, researching, a lot oh, of different yeah. things. But I'm so excited to go to sleep. And I really like, I go to sleep excited and wanting to already like for, for it to be next day already. Because I'm excited of all the things that I want to do. Even though it's a lot of work. And even though sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm restless that, well, 
I'm, I'm very tired, right? Yeah. So okay. I do it and I'm happy about it. And guess what? That fulfills my life, right? Yeah. So what I want, not everyone to do a podcast or anything, but if I can impact someone to find their thing, whatever it is, fitness, religion, something, but have something that you're looking forward, you know what? And, and this kind of sounds so cliche and, and so payaso, not to use another word, but it's so nice to be happy, you know? Of like course. it's so cool to me pregunta like, bro, I'm, I'm happy. Maybe yeah. I'm not smiling all the time. But I live happy, have no problems with anybody, bro. I have no issues. Yeah. Why? Because I just worry about myself, worry about my family. Like, oh, you know? right. And when you're talking, when you're telling me all this, I'm like, I start. Like, that's exactly my mindset as far as, did you ever give up? No. Yeah. That's exactly. Of course, it would have been a good story. Oh, sí, estaba llorando and I wanted to give up. But that mentality, it's hopefully something that people can pick up as far as, so it's kind of just though it is, I'm never going to give up, you know? Yeah, and what's interesting here is that that doesn't mean that the tears weren't there. Mm-hmm. I just never, I knew I was never going to give up. But brother, there was times that it was hard, really hard. Because not just is this something that I've been doing for two years, but this is something I've been doing exclusively and full time for two years. All my living has to come from this. During a pandemic, it was, I mean... Forget the, the fact that people were weird about doing interviews. <laughs> sponsors. You know, sponsors to wanting to do advertising. Everybody was so scared. People were shutting down. Were, it was hard. So the stress level, the not knowing how I'm going to make it, the having to make phone calls and work things out with, with station officials and stuff like that, the tears were there. However, the feeling of never giving up, that never went away. I never felt like I'm giving up. They're going to have to do something drastic to make me stop this. You know, and I remember when I booked uh, the the airtime for the first time, I was talking to the rep, Ricardo. Shout out. Saludos, Ricardo. I'm <laughs> um, talking to him, buying the time. And and I don't know. I guess they're, they're kind of used to dealing with people that are very like, let's try this out. But from day one, I knew that this is what I was doing and this is what I was going to do. And I was convinced that I, once I started, that was it. And the rep kept asking me, so how many half-hour shows should we book you for? I like, well, I mean, I'm starting. I'm going to be on every Saturday. At that time, it was 11. Every Saturday at 11. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But how many do, <laughs> or how long do you think? It's like, I, I had to tell him. It's like, if I give you a number, I'm going to limit myself. I don't plan on ever stopping. And at, at that point, I think he realized, okay, this is this is for real. Wow. Thank God we're at uh, my this Sunday will be episode one hundred and three. One hundred and three. Yes, sir. Wow, Senor, Before, give us a quick rundown. Um, and this is mainly for myself. As far as how does this work? Because you're saying buying airtime. So is that how every station they have sometimes that well the slots that they can sell to whoever? I'm sure they have some criteria. I'm sure they can. But then you you buy it. Do you have to pay it in advance? And then after that, you find the way to find your sponsors. Is that how it works? Tell me a little bit about that model. That's basically it. In the rough draft, that's basically it. You have two ways of going about this. You either work for the big man and get hired by the station, get mm-hmm. paid by the station, and do anything and everything the station wants you to do. Or you use the big man, get his time, and you do what you want to do. But yeah, you you basically buy blocks of airtime and then find a way to finance yourself. 
Wow, okay, because now it's making a little bit more sense when you talk about COVID. I'm thinking back on my head, like, but I know, but he was still getting the salary, I guess, you know, yeah, because no, I was thinking, no that you, okay, that's what I was thinking. And now that you explain, like, yeah, okay. So, Televisa, that was a salary. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you show up, they want you to do this, this is, this is the talking points, this is this, and push the button and go, you little robot. That you get paid for that. Here, you're on your own. And you you either make it or break it. Uh, how hard is it to find sponsors? Maybe not now that you have done it for for more than 100 episodes. But at the beginning, how hard is it to reach out to, hey, guess what? This is what I'm doing. This is the time. And this is what I have available. How do you go about doing that? I was very blessed. I've been very blessed. I think everybody that has sponsored the show, you guys have been the backbone of it. At the end of the day, I was in a situation where I recorded a pitch reel first. A pitch reel being five minutes of me saying what the program is going to be. Mm -hmm. And with that, I went around and like basically showed it. This is, this is my idea. This is what I want to do. I was lucky that I was already doing marketing for certain companies. So it was easy for me to add on commercials and add on the sponsorship. Uh, in regards to how hard it is, I would, uh, I'm not sure how to respond that. I guess if it, someone was, if you were to start over again and you had no connections, right? The, yeah. yeah. Would it be, would it take you yeah. a lot of time to, to start again? No connections, you changed the game on me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a different ball game. It'd be, yeah. Even for them to, talk to you I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of them in their plate and for for you to get their fa a facetime right there I'm, I'm thinking that's there's just so much education that needs to go into this because you have to know um if your sponsors are going to be corporate or if they're going to be mom and pop shops mm. and if they're going to be mom and pop shops you better get ready to re-educate them on what tv is because the common mentality is that tv doesn't work nobody watches tv and at the end of the day, that's a huge lie. Everybody thinks that, that everybody's in a digital platform. What they don't realize is that the digital platforms spend the most of their marketing money on TV. So obviously TV works. It's still something measurable. You know, so because of the misconception, if you're with mom and pop shops that aren't used to dealing with numbers, that aren't used to dealing with, with media, they're gonna, you have to let them know, look, this is still a thing. This is still the most effective thing, you know, so that process is hard. It's also hard because when you're talking about mom and pops, you, they're not used to these expenses. Yeah. You know, they, you, what's crazy is they tell you that when you're starting a business, you're supposed to uh, put 30% of your budget for marketing. The average is two to 3% if they have one, yeah, yeah, a budget. Yeah. So then you approach them. It, again, it, you have to educate them. That's very hard. The easiest is to approach corporations. You know, uh, shout out to Goodwill. Thank you, Goodwill. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the Army. So all of these people have been sponsors, and they've been sponsors in a level to where it's a different dynamic. You, They know what, what, what it is. Uh, they know what the rates are. You give them a number. They don't freak out. You know, so it's very different. The tough part there is the weight. You know, what do you mean the weight? Yeah, you did you submit a, a uh, payment okay. and corporations pay you whenever their payment cycle is. The army, it's like 90 to 120 days. Uh, uh, others, it's 
30 days, 68 days. So you, that's hard. You know, when you depend on this and, and these corporations, if they're aware of it or not, the fact of the matter is they don't care. You know, you could tell them, I, this is how I make my living. They don't care. You know, they don't. It's, it's not, it's this business is not personal. You're going to get paid whenever you're going to get paid. So you need to find a way to mediate that. Wow. And this is such it's, an interesting business model. As you're telling me all this, I'm like, click, 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 click. Yeah. I was like, okay, wait a second. You got to get ready to juggle. Pero, of course, we'll, we'll have a side conversation, I'm for sure. But thank you for sharing that. That's so insightful because same here, yo, también, like, no, because for the hair salon, like, TV commercials, no, they don't work. Let's just spend it on Facebook, whatever it is. Pero everything works. It's it just depending on the market and also, like, who your target market is. That's what I'm referring. And also, um, like, how fast you want the return in your investment i'm sure that plays a, of a big role as, as well it depends a lot on where you are in your business and what your infrastructure is do you have a website set up do you have social media set up are you already established do people know your name you know so you talk about doing uh facebook instead of tv facebook has its advantages you could target it uh so that's good but the, the if you're in a stage where what you want is for people to know you you probably want to do TV first. Um, the the perception factor is also huge here. You know, somebody who's on TV is gonna be way more legit than somebody who's not. Doesn't matter how long each business has been open or not. Ooh, you wow. know, so there is definitely marketing is all perception. You yeah. know, so at the end of the day, what you wanna uh, uh, play with. Is that it, it is you want to make sure that people are getting the image that you want to come across with TV needs to be something that you know you're ready to take in the clients you know you're ready to have a website to take in the traffic you have a structure set up because from TV they're not gonna immediately walk in more than likely they're gonna go to your website TV takes them to your website so you really want to make sure that you know where you're at, you know what you could handle, you know, you, you might end up getting that time slot that fills up your hair salon. Can you handle it? You know, so that is one of those things where you need to be able to make sure that I'm approaching this demographic here, I'm approaching this many people here, and your ROI is not gonna be just measured in, in dollar signs. Your ROI needs to be measured in the fact that you're now establishing your brand. You know, why are they coming to On Point instead of Supercuts? You know, why is it that they want the personalized treatment and not the corporate? You know, why are they doing something different in their, the way that their style of haircutting is? Or why are they doing... All of these things need to be set up and established before you go on to do Although the big well, so we can really spend hours talking about this, but then people will say that's that's, good. that's for you, and it is. That's the point. Of yeah, this. yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we'll, we'll have some more time to talk about it off camera. But let me go back to to elevate because again, the purpose very clear. I know that some um, are paid, and of course, but even the paid ones. I yeah. was watching some of those. They have a lot of great material. It's not only because usually when we hear paid, post no, Sasuke, they're not legit or, or I don't know. It's just a different way of thinking. But the, the things that you have paid are like, oh my God, this is very uh, useful for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's the case. Yeah. So the way I approach uh -huh. it uh, is I, 
the people that are sponsoring me are sponsoring me in much because they support the concept mm -hmm. and the purpose. And so when they come on board or when I'm speaking to someone, I let them know they're going to have their commercials. We could set up infomercials. We could do all of this that is outside of Elevate during the day on the TV. While we are on the program, whatever it is we're talking about, whether it's your product or not, has to be geared towards education and inspiration. You're going to sell life insurance? Cool. But you first have to teach me about life insurance. You know, you're going to sell about this new product, this new supplement, whatever it is. I first need to learn. So that way we are getting something that is much more than a sales pitch. And at the end of the day, if I wouldn't have told you that some of those are paid, you may not have known. Yeah. Apart from this, so you are not losing credibility with your audience as well because they know that it, everything's following in the same theme, even though whatever might be paid. But guess what? Like you said, even if it's life insurance or whatever insurance it is, first of all, bring some value and then this is what you're pitching in. And, and I've been, once again, extremely lucky, not just uh, with my guests and, and with the audience, but with the support from the station. I've seen multiple TV programs come in and out during these two years. And I don't know this for a fact, but I believe that a factor in me being able to stay on is the content, is the fact that, not the production quality, but the <laughs> content, the fact that we are never doing a sale. You're not turning on to see more extended commercials. You know, you're, you're gonna get a benefit. So it's all about having good content and that in itself people appreciate the station appreciates and you're able to build a community. You know, my, I've seen other TV shows that come on board and then you look at their social media and you're like, holy crap, they have 10,000, 15,000. Like, how did they do that? You know, and then they disappear. And, and you're like, oh, well, that was probably paid for and their content was all sales. My social media is probably half that. But I know that there are people that are there watching the show, giving feedback. A lot of times it's like, oh, you should invite so-and-so. Like I told you, many of my guests have come on board. Many of, my best, many of my guests have come on board because of my audience. You know, the audience will tell so-and-so to come and talk to me or that kind of thing. Uh, so slow and steady is good concerning yourself with content quality over production quality. And concerning yourself with purpose over fame. And these are the things that are, I believe I might be proven wrong in the future, but I believe these are things that make the show stand out. Yeah, yeah. I'm listening to it, I'm like, yep, exactly, because that's some feedback for people that want that, oh, maybe I can afford this really fancy camera, the setup and everything. Like, you know what, I, I get it. If you can't afford it, go for it. But the truth is that you like your content, like worry about what you're putting out there first and then everything else, because eventually, if it's good enough, then you will have, or you will want, um, I mean, you will want to buy something else because you're already seeing the progress. Maybe not in views, or maybe not on different metrics, but you will see it, and that's going to lead to something else. And as long as you're clear about mm -hmm. your purpose, people with that purpose are going to gravitate towards it, and you're going to get help. They want to take part of it, yeah. you know, so... You're able to start getting, you can't afford the gear, but all of a sudden, somebody's coming part, they want to be part of the team, they have all this gear, all of a sudden, we have a new host, and now there's a new producer, now there's a sales team, and that kind of That's stuff. That's how you get started. Wow, okay. 
Interesting scenario. Let's go back a little bit to COVID because now that you're telling me that your business structure, you're telling me that, of course, it was, it was painful for you at points. How were you able to navigate through COVID? Uh, very, very carefully with lots of tears. <laughs> uh, COVID was interesting, brother. I, I very quickly recognized the fact that this was a big political ploy. And so personally, I always kind of... I didn't stress about the disease as much as I stressed about the effects of the economy. And uh, and so personally, it was hard. Uh, it was hard to to continue to be out there and, and get you know, in such a, a, a left city, you know, where everybody's up in the air about this. It, it, it was interesting trying to talk to people and let them know that, you know, look, I we got tested, we're okay. We're, we could have this interview and this in the business side which was again i was very lucky never did i did uh, any virtual interviews everybody that came on board was super cool we were all in the same mindset or it was kind of like COVID type of thing and uh the business side that's a different story that that was one of the things where because they didn't want to, I mean, they didn't have a budget anything. to sponsor or well, what, what was the... the... The budget was there um, and, and some sponsors never gave up on me. Thank you. But a lot of them shut down and there's, I mean, what can you do? You know, the city's not letting you do certain operations or the city's making you close down your business. You know, it doesn't matter how effective my marketing was. It doesn't matter how much you want to support it. It's just, it, you can't. You know, so it was very difficult, um, but perseverance, uh, good budgeting, which isn't my strong suit at all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, that's how you got through it. Well, I was, and, and this is something I uh, keep on saying, and I'm not making it like a way to cry, but on my business went down 40%. We serviced oh, a yeah. lot of kids. But my thing was, somehow, some way, I'm gonna make it happen. Of course, I was able to. Well, I used to do have a full time job, which guess what? I use that income to maintain. But even at that, I'm pretty convinced that I would have found another way to stay afloat. Still, right? Yeah, and I think it's when you're an entrepreneur. I think what makes a good entrepreneur is 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 business sense, but also ability to handle stress and uh ability to think outside the box um the ability to work a little bit more than eight hours a day so when it comes to being an entrepreneur though that self-confidence that it's going to be okay is so needed yeah i mean we, we you asked me earlier did you ever feel like you wanted to give up i i believe that if if you're an entrepreneur and don't have that self-confidence you're gonna often be wanting to give up and that the decision of not giving up is going to come down to your self-talk. And if you're not good at your self-talk, at some point you're going to give up. And you may be throwing out the window your dream. Wow. Yeah. Señor, siento que I'm talking to myself in this sense. Great minds No, no, no. You, you are able to uh, verbalize that much better than me. That's for sure. But I also think that in the sense of, let's say the business that had to close. And, and this is, again, I don't want to take this uh, in a negative sense. But the fact is, if I had to close due to COVID, I 100% believe that I will never come, uh, blame COVID. 
I didn't close because of COVID. I, I closed because I wasn't able to adapt. I wasn't able to find another way to make things happen in the meantime. I wasn't able to market to the few people because there were some people that were still cutting hair that day. Never for them like uh, had to shut down. There's a lot of people that work from home that had that income. So I really believe that if I had to close down, I would have never said I closed down because of COVID. Uh, no, senor. Yeah. You didn't close down because of COVID. There's a lot of different factors. And again, I, I don't mean for, for the people, the, the businesses that did have to close for that. Again, everyone has a different mindset. But my opinion is, again, not blaming someone or something. I would have then take some ownership and said, so this guy closed down because I, I, I wasn't able to market good enough. I wasn't able to go house by house to let them know, hey, we're open. This is our business. I mean, there's many different factors, but I will take ownership, first of all, and blame myself opposed to the situation and whatever's going on around me. Sure, and and I guess a lot of that has to do with the fact that you're you're a mom and pop shop. Um, unfortunately, I do believe that there was uh, some companies that. So to be an entrepreneur, the key to it is risk management, and sometimes the risk is too high, and the best way to manage it is shutting down, um, and that's depending on your debt ratio. That's depending on the size of your your uh, payroll, your size of your operating expenses. So I did see some businesses that were hit really hard uh, because of this. And they it, it wasn't so much the fact that I need to market it better. It's the fact that my expenses are too big and you they couldn't narrow it down. So I believe you and I were blessed on the fact that our overhead was quite manageable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. No, no, but but you're absolutely right, Diego. My opinion, and again, this is what I would like to think because that way, when I have another problem, hopefully it's not as big as COVID. Like if I didn't do it for COVID, says I'm not gonna do it for some right. else, right? Now, will it make sense at one point if for some some reason the income's not coming in? My passion is not there, but as long as I'm passionate about it, right? So let's go find a way somehow, some way, right? Exactly. Now, if maybe I find something else and I'm putting this aside, as long as it's, just, it's not making sense for you to overspend on this, okay, well then I'm not shutting down because it's just my, my purpose or my reason it's somewhere else, right? Yeah. But I want to say thank you for that. Let's go back to your guest. I'm interested because I had not a lot, not as many as you, of course. But what are some stories that still to this day kind of like they're memorable that that stands out from the many people that you have uh, interacted it's with? It's gonna be way too hard to narrow it down, but I'll go over a few of you. Go don't for mind. it. Uh, my uh, episode one, I had uh, Chris that you've had. Cristobal, Cristobal, such a great guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's that's one of my. Closest friends, I, he described the art of jiu-jitsu in such a way that transported it to everyday life. It was great. I love that. That's, that's a, a memorable conversation. To be able to understand that, that a lot of times when you're there and you're being under pressure in martial arts, you're, you're, sometimes your body's telling you give up, but you know your mind says you, you could take it. You could, that translates to real life. and facing problems and, and continuing to go on under pressure. So that was a great lesson on, on behalf of Cristobal. Um, that same episode, I had Andrew Haggerty, another very close friend of mine. Uh, Andrew had just stepped out of being a county commissioner. And he's uh, 
Andrew's a great example because he's so young and has so many titles that he, of things he's done. He's been chairman of so many companies and president and all kinds of stuff. And been an entrepreneur for the last two decades. And from him, I used to ask everybody, when it gets hard, what do you do? And I really was, part of me was trying to, hoping somebody would give me an answer that was like, oh, a hack, I could do it. And, and from her, and I heard that the easiest thing to do is the hard thing. Because trying to find an easier way out is always going to make you work twice. It's always going to give you problems. And just doing it the way it's supposed to be done, as hard as it is, is always going to end up being the smoothest. So that whole thing of just show up type of thing, that was very much uh, uh, advice from Andrew, shout outs Andrew, that I'll never forget. I had advice from, oh, David Rodriguez's story, David the Boxer, and talking about how he was in, you know, at such a peak. Was, he had a couple of knockouts that were the world's fastest knockouts. He was about to be, he was comparable to Mike Tyson. And all of that went away from one day to the next. And he found himself in a coma and his life completely changed. And to see and hear and it wasn't so much anything that he said, more than to see and hear him and and his new person. I knew him as as a fighter and uh, and after see the change in personality, see the the change in the words being used. You're able to get a a, a big lesson and, and understand how your mentality needs to adapt, how to kind of adapt to stardom in a way, you know. And that that's a lesson David is is very good at at uh, communicating himself. I had uh, Max Grossman on. Max Grossman is a professor from UTEP. Uh, he's a, oh God, I think he's a historian. Yeah. This he's, is a bald guy? No. Okay, then never mind. No, he's an architecture historian. Okay. Um, love history. And in fact, if I, part of my dream is to have a, a history program. So, and, and that might be in the works. But to have him on, and get to hear you know every detail you couldn't even imagine about every building downtown was so cool to to hear about 900 and something historical buildings that we have that was awesome uh three times throughout the two years i had uh the uh, rabbi Simon. rabbi Simon is, is, is my rabbi and to get a religious perspective on life and to get answers from a spiritual perspective that isn't restrictive, that isn't uh, condemning, was a breath of fresh air. It was very different. Uh, so that will always stick out of my mind. I had a candidate for Congress. I'll never forget this, not because it was a great interview, just because it was so nutty. Wow, what you mean? Uh, Republican candidate going for Congress, going against Veronica Escobar. And perhaps I, it was my fault because I should have done a little bit more studying on her. But I, I was having all candidates on anyway. So I figured, eh, well, you know, got to have her on anyway. I had one on, then she's got to come on. And she's talking and in the middle of the conversation. She turns around and tells me, well, you know, it's crazy what they're doing over there. They're sacrificing babies. <laughs> And 
And that was kind of my reaction uh. until I realized she was so serious about this. And then the rest of the interview, I just spent it kind of freaking out inside, looking at the camera, looking, trying to figure out how do I turn this off? How, what do I do? I, I mean, that was an experience. That was an experience. Um, having uh, uh, Joe from Joe Luhan. Joe Luhan is from El Paso. He's a director. He's in Hollywood. He has uh, several movies out. And hearing his story of how he started, uh, again, Hollywood director, talking about filming with a VHS camera and getting his friends to act out scenes and having to splice tape and, and all of that experiences, it was great because it lets you uh, kind of contemplate on the fact that all of us get that rough patch in the beginning of the business, we're in the media and and it's the production is not what you want it to be and it's as frustrating but you see him now and you're like oh cool okay so if i continue i know i could get to it you know so time after time i had juan gandara uh, i don't know if you know juan jiu-jitsu jiu-jitsu yeah. guy yeah I heard of him. his story was so inspiring to see and again more than the words to see the personality to see the character the the positivity the smile and more than anything, the sparkle in the eye, which seems to be lost in many. This is an, uh, an MMA fighter who went on vacation and lost his arm for those who haven't heard the story. And and for him to continue to do jujitsu and have make the best out of his life possible with a positive attitude was an awesome lesson. One of my favorite guests, so it's not a guest, but a host is my daughter. I have a 15 year old daughter now. When I started this, she was 13 and she had her own little segment and to hear her talk and realize that she's 13 going on 30 was uh, was quite a realization, but so proud. So what you asked me is extremely hard for me to pinpoint, but I could continue probably for hours giving you uh, that, stories. That's exactly the, the answer I was expecting because the fact is there's... From one, you learn one thing, then yeah. from another one, and that's the reason why this is so rewarding because the conversations are yeah. really good. And aside from that, like like you said, some of the things are like off camera, like the relationships that you built, whatever that is. So that's amazing to hear. And if I forgot anyone, my <laughs> apologies. You're still my favorite. Nice. So yeah, you talked about your daughter. Let's get into that. Uh, she's 15 now. She's 15 now, going on 40 now. Right, and mm. and I know she's part. She has her own section as well. She's had her own segment, which has not been very active since COVID, but is in the works of getting revamped. Uh, her and her best friend. Uh, her best friend wants to be a director. I'm like, ah, oh, that's perfect. You have a segment to direct. Ready, go. And <laughs> so we'll see what they come up with now. Nice. Was it hard for you to teach confidence to your daughter? Ah, uh, yes and no. She has confidence and she's very articulate in her communication. Um, so confidence, it wasn't hard to portray, to have her portray confidence. You know, she did that on her own. It was hard to give her confidence off camera where she talks about, you know, feeling fake. And, the, and I, I could relate that to that. When I was 13 and giving a sermon to 500 people that were adults, you know, I didn't think about it at the time. But 
as as I got older and still was giving sermons and and my lifestyle was getting a little edgier and that kind of thing, you you understand. So it was hard for me to make her realize that a role model isn't perfect, uh, that a role model simply points to the direction that we're all supposed to go. It was hard for me to make her understand that uh, perfect is not the same as perfectable, you know, and so that confidence, it was hard. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think I was able to teach her. It was something she had to do on her own. Mm-hmm. I the could re- only give her words. There you go. The reason I'm asking is, um, I don't know if you are or not, but my daughter, uh, she's been living with me for nine years. Sorry, so just my daughter and I. And I noticed, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a very confident person and she's not as confident. Yeah. So, so I'm like, is this something that you teach? Is this normal? Because she's a teen. Because of the, I remember even at a young age, I, I was pretty confident, yeah. right? But like, what what should I do? And I'm like, you know what? That's the perfect person to ask on this. Well, I, and I'm sorry to disappoint <laughs> you, but, but I'm not. Because I'm really trying to figure it out myself. My daughter is amazing at, at showing it. But off camera, she's, mm-hmm. she's got her insecurities that are very strong. She There's some issues there with a little bit of anxiety. There's been... You know, things that blow my mind, you know, I would, at 15, anxiety, depression, those weren't words when I was a kid, you know. So, so it's something I'm definitely trying to figure out myself. And, and at the end of the day, I think uh, the majority of the lessons haven't been from me to her, but from her to me. Nice. I like that. So, yeah, well said. Let's go a little bit back to Elevate, but your, your guess, right? And even though I think you answered that in our first part, what is the common denominator of successful people? And I'm not saying successful money-wise. I'm saying successful. They're doing what they want. They're living out their passion. At the same time, they are fulfilled. They live a happy life. What is the some of the common denominators from those people? Uh, the common denominator isn't the same for everybody, but the same action, which is to have the ability to adapt and do something different. Um, the definite My definition of success is that every day you take a step towards your goal, towards your purpose. It's not that you're there, but that you're moving towards it. And the the common denominator I've seen in everybody that's successful is that ability to pivot from, I've been trying this, I've been trying this, I've been trying this, okay, I'm trying that. You know, that goes away, you know. The, and the ability to linger and, and kind of be terco until it works. And then realize, okay, well, now what's next? Manage risk. So the common denominator, I think, is it's more of an attitude. It's more of a realization that uh, there's 10 times more work than there is glamour. Uh, there's more of a realization that the, that this is, this is you. And nobody's going to make it for you. And you need to do what it takes. You know, so... The only other action I see in everybody who's been successful, and this is very hard for many aspects of my life, is consistency. Um, do something, start it, love it, don't stop. And that's how you get to where you want to be. Nice. Yes. They the same thing. I always said happiness, it's progress. Even if it's little, but the happiness, once you have something to move on forward, of course, with that comes a lot of other things, but I also agree as far as, you know, progress, right? And also being happy, right? I don't define success as, as being wealthy or anything like that. Just being happy with yourself when no one's around 
the thoughts that you're giving in, like that you're thinking, so okay. I, the, those are good thoughts opposed to showing one face over here, but at the end, like there's something else. Yeah, your self-talk is, is probably the most important aspect of your attitude towards life. Your attitude towards life is the most important aspect towards your success in life. So the, the amount of mental real estate you give to any given thought is taxing on you. And it's going to either, it's going to give you its fruit. You know, you have to think of your mind as a garden. And you kind of got to think of yourself as a gardener and, and thoughts as seeds and, and which you're allowing feeding and allowing to grow. You have to be very aware of where your mind is or else it just kind of crumbles. So yeah, well said. I'm like, you know what? How come I cannot say it that way? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, all right. Now let, let's talk about El Paso because you deal with a lot of local people making a difference in our community. What are we missing in order to grow fast? It's, we're growing, that's for sure. There's a lot of, as I'm doing my research at first, I thought, well, nothing to do. People are not uh, doing stuff, but we are. There's a lot yeah. of stuff going on. Yeah. So in, in your opinion, how's the rate of movement like? Are we moving at the right speed? Can we move faster? What's going on there? El Paso is El Paso and it is what it is because it's completely different than the rest of the nation. El Paso is this weird buffer zone between Mexico and the United States. Which is good for a lot of things, right? Excellent, excellent. But it, it is the reason why our culture is the way it is and moves at the rate that it does. Um, I think trying to accelerate that in any way would m probably de be detrimental to us. Um, if I had to give a critique about our city and what holds it back, it would fall back to the same thing, our culture. I believe that there isn't enough people helping people here. And, and I, I don't know if I'm mistaken, and please forgive me if I am, but I believe that's a Hispanic thing to where there's a bit of envy in business. There's, uh, I was telling you earlier of this guy that was supposed to start the show with me and to this day, I'm, that's like the, he's my number one fan. I, he watches everything. And I would only get a comment from him when it's something negative. You know, it's that kind of mentality where if we were to work together, we could build something huge but everybody wants to bring it, each other down so that they could get ahead. And that, I think, is what has always held our city back more. We're behind the trend five years on almost everything. If we at some point decide that unity is better, there's really nothing that could stop us from being predominant metropolitan. Our geographic location is very unique. It's amazing. The fact that we have this metroplex between Cruces and Juarez. I mean, there is so many advantages to El Paso that if only our attitude changed a bit, I think El Pasoans tend to be a bit complacent um, or a bit careless. So if we were to take a little bit more pride, I think El Paso... Yeah, I see a brand out there, it's called Il Paso. It sounds cool, it's good marketing, for sure. I'd market it, 
do you realize you're saying your city's ill? It's like, why is it that we always talk about El Paso or we talk, we, we find the negative aspect first before we find the fact that there's so many other great things. When we take pride in our city, when we take pride on the fact that we help each other, then we will be a different city and we will grow faster. If we want different results, we need to do different things as a community. And so my personal opinion, and, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I believe that that's the biggest hellback, that people don't like working together. So the city, because of that, you find that it's very clicky. You find little clicks of, of people doing things here and there and there and there. And if we were to able to kind of find a way to blend the clicks, it'd be different. Yeah. Uh, and that's why the work that you're doing, and, and, and I don't mean to show off in any way, but that's why it's important just to show a different mindset. Not everyone's yeah. going to listen, of course. And a lot of people, like, they don't know. They won't agree, of course. But you're absolutely right. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you, you just brought up a point that, for example, Rick Ramirez, right? Teacher of the Year. I had him on and he said, let me give you an example. We're talking about something similar. I'll give you an example. Your Instagram account, mine, uh, for the for the podcast, right? I can't guarantee you that there was a lot of people that saw saw the feed and saw that, oh, it's it's pretty good. He's trying to highlight some people, maybe the quality, maybe that guy. No, but it's good, but yet did not follow you because who's this guy to right, follow? You know right. what? Because I used to be that person. I used to be that person that, like, también ve algo y, oh, that's cool. And maybe not liking it, maybe not following it, but no, pues al rato. And it was not that I was hating, anything like that. But you don't understand. But I mean, it's not like, it doesn't mean that, oh, like he's going to do better than you. It's not about that. It's that you like it, it's like, oh. And when he said it that way, now that you're saying basically the same thing, as far as, you know what, that is something that, that, that we can improve on as a community. Because, yeah. you know, why not support a movement? Exactly. Something that you, that you saw right instead of like, once they have to see it like 20 times or, or someone that they really like, oh, I'm going to start following. Por qué? You know? yeah. And again, it's not for me at all. But again, I was there, and now you're just saying in a much better way, As um, by the way. But you're absolutely right as far as how can we tackle this? How can we help with this? Uh, it would have to be awareness of our culture, uh, education, and it would have... We would need to find a way to refocus what we want. Do we really want to be a predominant city? Do we want to attract big corporations? Do we want to grow? You know, do we want to be somewhere where we know that instead of tearing the, tearing you down, they're going to find a way. You know, so if we were to find a way to make people see that, perhaps see the potential of of not just the city, but of their lives, if they that, change. That's what I was going to say. It's such a different game. But... I believe, and I wish I was wrong, but I believe it's it's part of the DNA, you know? So it would have to start by first realizing, hey, you know, as a culture, these have been some of the negative things that we have had, you know, perhaps a different approach. And then finding the ones that have a different approach and trying to highlight them. 
you know, I shine the light on all my friends. You know, the, the huge percentage of the people in the program are there because they're my friends. <laughs> you know, it's like, what are you doing? Oh, let's get you on the show, bro. You know, so I love that, you know, and, and if we find somebody that's doing something, let's do our part to highlight them, shine the light on all your friends, and then the, the feeling should propagate and hopefully they turn around to the same yeah. and, and I, I guess it's all a perspective shift that we need to do yeah. and it has to start with the fact that we need to realize that we're not a town anymore we're not a little city I mean we have 800,000 people we have considerable corporations considering us to move in we have some already coming in our downtown, thanks to to in great part of the Fosters, is so beautiful now. I mean, there is so much more that that we weren't that long ago. That we need to first start there. We need to realize, hey guys, we're not a little city anymore. We need to act like big boys now. It's like let, let's help each other. Let's make it grow. That uh, I just noticed uh, recently that three film equipment companies opened in, rental equipment companies opened in town, studios are opening in town, media that never would be here. For the longest time, there was no camera shop. There was one camera shop and it was all analog. You know, so the fact that this is starting to happen, we're, we're, we're blowing up. And the only way we're gonna be able to be like, no, New York or Houston or San Diego, uh, in Austin, I hate to say, is by helping each other out. Um, if I was to say that we had a similar mentality, we tend to like uh, liberal cities. And so we need to be aware of that. Uh, there's In politics, you have conservatives and you have progressives. And the conservatives trying to conserve and the progressives starting to progress and that fight between the two is what's going to give you stability we tend to sometimes be uh, stuck in a mindset that doesn't allow for that middle ground so even though progressives are pushing and conservatives are holding that in between that's supposed to happen doesn't and we end up having a very uh, divided type of of approach to business to city growth you know we go from one mayor to the other and we have two extremes going up I don't know what's gonna happen to the middle ground you know if if this mayor did this and now this mayor comes in and is trying to do all the opposite of this mayor that means we never moved yeah and and then again and everything ties back to the same thing as far as our mindset before we think about the big picture of trying to help whatever cause, it starts with us finding that awareness that that awareness that you know what this is something that I need to work on and do something different. And then once we're into that mindset, now everything else is gonna flow. It, it, it cannot. And, and again, this is a conversation I have very frequent. As far as you know, you cannot be a bad dad and a great person, or a great person a bad dad. Or exactly, it, it, it's all together. Once you're good again, not perfect. But at least the intention and that you're there 100%. And now that you're, we're talking a little bit about politics, like we saw it, we see it on a daily basis that there's people far left, from right, without the lack of empathy as far as saying, wait, wait a second, give, before you give your opinion, give your opinion because that's important. 
But have you thought about the other side of it? And I'm going to share with you something that I saw on Facebook yesterday. They're like, oh, Sasuke, this is really good. Recently, I don't even know which cartoon it was, but it's an older cartoon that got canceled, no? Um, do you know what, what I'm talking about? This old cartoon got canceled because... I have even no, no, no idea. And maybe the story is not... I'm not going to be able to share it the way it's, it's supposed to be. But bueno, a cartoon just got canceled because that person was... Hispanic or or Mexican, something like that, and and it was machista, I believe, right? So everyone like, oh my God, these guys, they want to cancel everything. This millennials, come on, like you guys should have tough skin, whatever. You know, you know, I also like agree that uh, no comment or anything, but I think it's too much. We should be able to have a balance. But this one girl posted something that said, you know what? Stop before you judge people that that want to cancel that. If you have not been called that name, y no me acuerdo el nombre, because she was called that name like in a in a demeaning uh, way. Yeah. Like don't say anything because I have been called that and it was offensive to me and yeah. it's something that I still remember. cierto. And it's not again. Uh, there's arguments on both sides, but at least have the empathy to at least. Try to see both sides and then take a decision or, or even have a comment after that. Instead of, oh, no, you just hear one side. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, and you're right, by the way. Or you hear the other side and you're right and the other ones are wrong. I think that's something that we're lacking, not only as a, in El Paso, but as a whole as a community. Um, uh, in the world, if you want to say, like that lack of empathy for us to, before we move on to any direction, let's take it on both and then we'll, we'll make some progress from that. And that's basically what you're just saying a different way. Yeah, empathy is important. Uh, I, in fact, not being able to put yourself in somebody, somebody else's shoes is pretty much what makes you a psychopath. Uh, so it is definitely important. Uh, growing tough skin is also very important. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, uh, canceling and, and all of that, I, I think it's a bit silly. I don't think, uh, I don't think we should ignore our past. Uh, the worst part of our past is exactly what we need to remember to prevent those mistakes instead of trying to erase it. We can't clean it up. You know, it is what it was. And that's exactly why we're moving forward. But a, a denial of who we were is going to give the, the nation and, and the community an identity crisis. And an identity crisis is going to make people fluctuate and then you're going to try to tear down systems and try something new. Being that the old has been the most effective up until now. So I believe that this ties down to, to that identity crisis, you know, and that identity crisis wouldn't be there if we didn't try to erase parts of them. We need to acknowledge them. We need to acknowledge that they were bad, but we can't erase them because if we do, future generations are not going to have a point of reference. Or just by thinking that canceling, we solved the issue, but we didn't get to root cause of what it made us feel, why it made us feel, whatever way it made us feel. Sure, and at the end of the day, the fact that people call you this and that, you know, we're we're kind of meant to face adversity, you know, and, and the way you respond to that is going to determine whether you grow or get stunted and, and stay there. You know, I'm very sorry for what this girl got called, but if she's thinking about it 20 years later, she needs to grow up. 
She needs to have evolution. Señor, pues that's very interesting. I think we can have a podcast just talking about right. life now. So we we might for sure, but let me ask you a couple more questions. I have enjoyed this a lot. Thank so you. Thank, thank you, you, Senor. Um, I don't feel as bad as uh, with my audio issues now because you had had those issues oh, already. So I was like, oh, okay. Imagine. So that's good. Senor, what is one thing that people would be surprised to know about you? Surprised to know about me? that I'm way more calm and of a homebody than people think, that I'm way less active in the socialite life as people perceive. Uh, surprised to know about me, that I don't sleep. No, you know. Um, that I'm much more conservative in, in my personal life. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. My problem is that I am extremely transparent. So it's hard for me to say that they're going to be surprised for something because I'm pretty much the same person here, there, there, in front of the camera, behind the camera. So it's kind of, it, it's, it's, it's a bit tough to determine something that would surprise the people. But I do believe people have a perception of of me having a way cooler life than I actually do. Well, I have to do a lot of work doing the many things that you do for sure. All right, Senor, you did answer partial, well, this is the question that I ask every single guest, and I believe you did a really good job answering one half of it, okay. which is, let me ask you the whole thing, and, and, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me as far as what is one thing you love about our city and one thing that maybe you will want to change or improve. And I think you answered that already as far as wanting to change or improve. If you want to add something else, go for it. But what is one thing that you love about our city? What I love about our city is the weather. <laughs> <laughs> First time I hear that, by the way. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah, Miss Pero. Oh, the people, which I, I agree, Pero. That's, okay, go on. I mean, so sorry to interrupt you, but I like. We have very few bad weather days in El Paso. What I love about our city is the mountains, is the history. And it is the people, and it is that they are friendly. Uh, it is the fact that that we have, it almost feels like everybody's family type of thing. For certain things, huh? Sure. It for, stops. I think for, for even the negative things, it's like the, 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 the family, the, 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 you know, you get that aspect yeah. of competition, that, that happens as well. I, I believe our city is wonderful because it offers a different kind of city. It's a mixture between being traditional and trying its hardest to be cool and hip and progressive and a mixture between a slow conservative economy and a new innovative coming in and opening up the doors. The withdrawal again is is the people. <laughs> All right. So, so, what's next for you? What's next for Elevator Paso? What are your future plans for for both? Which is basically the same thing. But I'll talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. Thank you for asking. Um, what is next is to continue to do what I'm doing the best that I possibly can, improving the most that I possibly can, and getting to the point where I could grow the most that I possibly can. So that may imply uh, getting to the point where Elevator Paso turns to Elevate Houston, turns to Elevate Chattanooga. Um, that is in the works. There is audience in both of those cities. Uh, it might get to the point where we drop the city names and it's Elevate. Uh, that's 
further down the line in a much bigger plan, a bigger dream. My, my goal is to get to where the show is known for being somewhere you could turn to for advice, for education, for inspiration. Um, not just that in El Paso, but as, as worldwide as we could get this. Uh, in regards to what's next for me, there is so much I need to continue to work on myself and, and, and be better. Uh, what is one thing you can share with us that you're working on yourself that you want to improve? Sure, I believe, so I'm creative and I want to have way more discipline than creatives have. I love certain things and I'm extremely passionate and I'll throw myself at it and then it gets to the point it's like, eh, I did that, let's go, let's do something else. And so uh, definitely a bit more consistency in things that are, that I'm not so passionate on. You know, uh, I could go weeks and months going really early to the gym and giving it all I have. And then something happens at work, I get overwhelmed. And before you know it, it's been three weeks, which it has been three weeks, Mondo. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> But that's, what, that's how that happens. Uh, my biggest uh, holdback is my my um my repulsion for routine and and rigidness seems like you've always been this way man. see as far always. as like not wanting routine wanting to do whatever is it that you want to do. yeah which has led me to do incredible things and i'll never change that about me um and this led me to have a lifestyle that is that i love and it's so stress-free as stress-free as i could get But it's also led me to do uh, things that are incomplete. You know, I I wish I could I could change that. I wish I could be way more disciplined than I am. And I've tried every hack out there, doing the list and doing the this and that, and and it'll work fine. But something or another gets takes over. A lot of times, it's that feeling of of being overwhelmed and living my life is a bit chaotic and it's not but it feels that way you know and i think a lot of it has to do with that with the fact that if i was only i work a lot with the army and i see them and everything is like at this time i'm gonna be doing this and at this time it's like bro i was talking to the commander it's like that's like 515 you brought it down to the minute you're gonna <laughs> you know what you're gonna i can't i mean what am i gonna be doing tomorrow something that's gonna be cool You're gonna you know, be busy all day for I'm sure. I'm gonna be busy. Yeah. I'm gonna feel great at the end of the day. And I'm gonna feel like I did something good. Uh, What is it gonna be? I'm not sure. I'm probably gonna edit at some point. <laughs> you know, I might work out. But it gives me a really cool lifestyle. It gives me a, a lot of opportunities. Somebody says, hey, let's go, let's jump, uh, let's go. But it also gives me that other aspect where it's like, ah, oh, God, I wish I would have finished that. You know, it's like, I wish I had more consistency, like in the gym, for example, or, or right now in the gym, uh, my reading routine has been dead for so many years. I hate that. You know, I used to have a pretty good routine of getting a book or two done every month, 
it's been years now it's like i read a book and before you know it i'm like starting three other books it's like what's happening to me you know it's like bring it back focus so I, I, that's definitely an aspect that I would like to change. I would love to be able to have a bit more, and I might be lying, but control over my passion. Mm. But I might be lying, because that is a that that's what allows me to do. The greatest things I've done have been because how passionate I am. The greatest heartaches have been because how passionate I am. So sometimes that is like I like I was otra vez. I see you going. I know where this is gonna end up, and I don't stop it. And the, and you have zero regrets, I'm sure. And at all, at yeah. all. However, I do have aspirations of being better and 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 minimizing those heartaches. Yeah, they are so relatable. They are, we can spend hours talking about this alone, but. Again, I didn't enjoy your time. Uh, it's been close to two hours. Oh, and, I have said already. Uh, so you I apologize for the, the audio issues. I feel so bad because the audio, to me, you know, as a creative, <laughs> it, it makes a big difference. But the whole conversation is really good. I, I hope that uh, from now on, we, we can still interact. Uh, we can just um, stay in touch, of course. Is there anything else that I'm missing? Anything else? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess when... When we talk about my life and when we talk about being able to get to where I'm at and, and where I want to go, I have the biggest take from it would be that ability to adapt and believe in yourself. If I could get anyone to take anything from me, it would be that. My formal education is super random. I never did anything in that. Uh, and, and that feeling of, I could do anything I want. People, I think people get annoyed when you say it, you know, but you better feel it, you know? And I and honestly, that drives the opportunity to try. It gives you the courage to try. try. So if anyone could take anything away, is try. Try your best. Put yourself out there. Give yourself that opportunity to make a fool out of yourself and give yourself that opportunity to experience what you want to experience i think the fear keeps us from living so much so if we just get rid of fear then there's so much we could do you know or use it wisely no Chris, sure let me tell you what i'm afraid of dying not dying tomorrow i'm afraid if you tell me i'm gonna die in 500 years i'm afraid of that yeah but i use it in my advantage to have no regrets to do whatever i want exactly and, and, and basically what you're saying is like so spot on i'm like Ugh. it's shadow work uh if anybody could take anything away from this conversation is the importance of doing shadow work constantly i tell my my daughter this it's a teenager is like this is the time when I was going nuts reading all these books and, <laughs> you know, but I think about it. It's like, well, this now today is the time for me to be getting all these aspects. I talk about my lack of discipline. I talk about my over passion, you know, that's shadow work I need to be actively doing. And I think that if all of us uh, get to the point where we could see ourselves from a third party perspective, mm. see our faults, realize that yeah they're ugly but yeah that's me and we integrate that then we're able to get to where you want to be that's 
such a great way to end the, the episode. So thank you. No, thank so you for the opportunity. For, for Allow me to encourage you to continue with what you're doing. Uh, don't let technical problems uh, stop you. Don't feel bad about it. Don't let no's and no answers stop you. Uh, continue to grow, bro. You're doing something good. This is awesome. It allows people to give uh, a different perspective. Uh, what your questions are, uh, are, are great. Your questions are on point and they need to be there to be able to, to allow your guest to give your audience that little nugget that makes the two hours of sitting there worth it. Keep doing what you're doing, man. You're doing yeah, You're going to make me cry, but thank you for whoever, hopefully a lot of you stay the close to two hours. I appreciate your time. Again, that's the most valuable thing we have. So again, thank you. And I'll see you guys next time. Adios.